You're listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast, your number one source for discussions about the Vols and Lady Vols basketball programs. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Now, get ready for a new episode of Vol Basketball Fever. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of Vol Basketball Fever. I am Nathaniel Rutherford, joined by a special guest for this episode. Gene Henley is going to be out for the next couple weeks, probably, because he and his son are doing AAU circuit basketball, and he's also got other stuff going on. So probably going to have a couple guests on here for the next couple weeks. Happy to be joined by Jack Foster, a new face to the show here. He works for and does the main beat for basketball, for Tennessee basketball, for volunteer country on Sports Illustrated. He also uh, works as an intern for Omaha Productions, who you guys may have heard of because that's through Peyton Manning, Omaha Productions. He also does stuff uh, at the University of Tennessee for volunteer news for WTK Rock Solid Sports. Jack, you're a man, a jack of all trades. Uh, Glad to have you on here, buddy. (laughs) I try to be. Thank you for the kind introduction, but I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. Happy to have you on here and happy to talk some both Vols and Lady Vols because Jack does both uh, coverage for Vols and Lady Vols basketball. So this will be kind of split into two parts of the episode. The first half will be more dedicated to the men's team, second half to the women's team. So if you're interested in one or both, you know, you can kind of skip around if you want to. There'll be timestamps if you're listening to the podcast or watching YouTube, you'll see little chapters you know, segmented out there. But I want to say thank you all for tuning in, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening to the podcast. Thank you all so much. Really appreciate it. Subscribe to the channel if you're on YouTube while you're here or subscribe to the podcast. And if you're on YouTube, give this video a like. And you can also follow Jack on Twitter if you want to. He's at Jack Foster TV on Twitter. And I'll plug our Twitter. We're at Vol Hoops Fever. I'm at Mr. Underscore Rutherford if you want to follow me too. And we're also on Facebook at Vol Basketball Fever. Well, Jack, we want to get into it here. We're talking about the men's team to start off things here. Uh, one of the questions I get, or at least still see asked probably once or twice a week, even though now we're in the throes of football offseason and football's almost here, when, when people are talking about basketball, one of the big questions I still see is, you know, doesn't Rick Martin still have a scholarship available? You know, don't they still have a spot open for this upcoming roster? Uh, they do. And at this point, there isn't really any intel. There isn't really like any inside info that, they, that I've seen anywhere that pe- people have shared or anybody's told me about like, what the staff's going to do with that if they're even targeting anyone. And Jack, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to put you on the spot and say, hey, do you have any information? I just, I'm curious your opinion on it because I've shared it on the show here with with Gene before of my thoughts on it. I I don't think, I think they're better served to try to fill that spot right now for this upcoming season because with the way the transfer portal is, you're going to have spots anyway available next year. You don't really need to kind of save spots like you used to. But at the same time, we're in early July at this point. I don't, unless there's an international prospect, unless there's someone else that, you know, is in the transfer market that we just haven't heard about being contacted, or maybe there's another latecomer in the 22 class, like last year with Sakai Ziegler. Um, At this point, I think the options are probably pretty slim, so they may just by default hold on to it. So I'm curious your thoughts if you think that, I mean, given the point where we are now, should they just hold on to it and and wait for it to to use next offseason, or should they maybe try to go ahead and add somebody else? No, it's definitely, you know, an intriguing topic here because like you mentioned, Zakai Ziegler, what happened last year in that situation, you know, surprising everybody with how productive he was for the Vols last season is definitely was a pleasant surprise. So, you know, you want to hold out hope that maybe something like that can come along down the pike as we enter August. But like you said, it's it doesn't look like there's any really candidates to fill that final spot. Um, so you have to think that, like you said, maybe by default, they'll hold it going into next season. But I think they should try to fill it because you look at next season, all the open spots you're going to have, like you said, people are going to enter the transfer portal. We saw multiple, multiple people enter the transfer portal from Tennessee, depart Tennessee this offseason. And Santiago Vescovi and Josiah Jordan-James, it's probably going to be their last season in the Tennessee uniform. You have to think Julian Phillips could be a one and done. So you're going to have multiple spots open. I think if they could try to find a guy, you know, just a project and anywhere in the roster really could be, you know, a post player, could be a guard. Uh, I think a guard would behoove them better, especially with a Walker reclassifying. So maybe if you could find a guard, um, maybe he can make a solid addition for Tennessee as early as this season, like Zakai Ziegler did last year, because um, you're going to have plenty of spots available next season. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, we saw the staff go after veteran point guards in the transfer portal, whether it was 
the kid, you were Collins from St. Louis, whether it was, um, I'm, I'm blanking on some of the names, the, the kid from Iowa State that they went after. Like, you saw them going after guys who had a year or more experience in college at the point guard position because I think ideally you don't want to have to rely on just Sakai Ziegler and, uh, and BJ Edwards as your point guard options because. I think the staff loves and trusts Ziegler, and I don't. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a reflection of them not trusting him. I think it's a matter of he's a five nine sophomore who, while very good, and again, obviously, you know, outperformed what expectations were for him last year um, at the beginning of the season. You don't want him to. I, I don't think you want him to be out there thirty two minutes a game like you had Kenny Chandler being the lead point guard and having to rely on a, another true freshman who maybe isn't you know isn't to the same standard, isn't to the same. Uh, talent level as Kenny Chandler. That's not a knock on BJ Edwards. Just it's just a more of a praise of Kenny Chandler. He he is an incredible talent as we were already seeing very early on in the NBA Summer League uh, as he showed out in the first game when he had I think three or four blocks in that game, eight points, I think four rebo- four rebounds in that game too. But I, I I think you're right. Like yeah, no, I think I think you're right about if they get someone. I think it would make more sense to go get a guard because. Even if they can't be super immediate contributors this year, even if it's not someone in the transfer portal who's a you know a, been a multi-year college player, even if it's a late addition in the recruiting front in the twenty-two class as a guard, like you said, look who they're losing in the roster of you know from this year to next that we that we know of. It's going to most likely be Vescovy and James. Like for certain, you're losing those two guys. I, I would be stunned if those two guys you know come back next year and Tyree Key because he's he's a one-year transfer. Those are all guard. I mean, technically, James is kind of a forward. He, he can play the four, but he's a guard wing type player. He's a wing. Tennessee needs to, in my opinion, the next addition they make, what you know, whatever it is, should be a wing. Again, I don't. I'll go look at the the transfer portal while you're talking, Jack. I don't know that there's a ton of guys left out there that are. I mean, maybe you'd be taking a flyer on somebody, but if you take a flyer on somebody and, and then they just leave and transfer again next year or whatever, it's not a you know it's not any it's not a loss. I mean, the only the only I guess downside could be if you take a guy who has already used his one time transfer, or I guess is using his one time transfer on you, and then you take him and then maybe you are technically you know losing a roster spot for next year because that guy's going to stay because he can't just transfer again. But at the same time, thought the same thing of Justin Powell because he used his one time transfer to come to Tennessee and then he still ended up transferring. So. I, I think you're right, though, that whatever this, if it gets used between now and, and, you know, the end of August or beginning of September, whatever, I think it should be on a wing player. But again, like, I don't know who else is out there unless there's, again, I, maybe there's some stone we haven't unturned as, a, you know, in the media or as a fan myself, or, you know, maybe there's some international player, but it just it doesn't seem like, it seems like there's slim pickings at this point. No, yeah, I like a wing addition as well because, you know, like you said, you have a really young prospect in B.J. Edwards as a as a point guard type player. Um, you go to D.J. Jefferson at the wing position, and I, I actually was really impressed with D.J. Jefferson's tape. I'm high on him. I don't think he can, you know, start or anything like that this season, of course. Um, he, he's going to get acclimated to the Tennessee waters. But to add another, you know, sophomore transfer maybe or junior, just someone who can at least play a couple of years for Tennessee, you know, um, in, in moving forward at the wing position would help when Josiah leaves. So, so yeah, I, I like that position. And, and I think you can go to the point guard position as well because you don't want to put a whole lot of weight on B.J. Edwards' shoulders. And I think they're probably going to kind of have to in year one. And B.J. Edwards just isn't the type of player Kennedy Chandler is. As you said, that's more of a praise towards KC. B.J. Edwards is very solid coming out of Knox Catholic. But Tyreek Key, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they use him. But if they use him as more of that shooting guard role, it's going to be a lot on BJ Edwards, you know, relieving Zakai Ziegler, assuming Ziegler would get the starting role at the one if they move key, if they play key as a true shooting guard. So, so yeah, th- there's definitely a spot to be had on this roster. I don't think it's absolutely necessary. I think that they'll be just fine if they roll with what they have right now. But, you know, going back to the original question here, an addition right now, I think it would be better than holding on to that spot. Well, Jack, while you were talking, I, I, like I said, I was going to look up kind of names of who are in the transfer portal. Kind of the, the last kind of, I guess, quote unquote, big name guy who's kind of a guard or is a guard player uh, in the portal right now is a guy named Casey Simmons, who played for Northwestern or I guess played for Northwestern. He came with Northwestern. I think he's a um, maybe a, a sophomore freshman. I think he was there for one year or whatever, but he's a former four star prospect at a high school. Uh, he entered the transfer portal on June 18th. So he's one of the more recent entries into the portal. In fact, I think he's one of the most recent in terms of like last two or three guys that are kind of notable at least on the 247 transfer portal here that are um that entered it so 
I get, I don't, I don't, doesn't mean Tennessee's, you know, in with them or anything like that, but I guess that's a, a name that's just out there. There's also a guy named, uh, I guess, well, also Casey Simmons is a shooting guard too. So I don't, you know, not a point guard, but he's a wing. He's a six, five, uh, wing player. There also, you had a guy, uh, who is another shooting guard, a couple of the guys that haven't transferred, haven't picked up spots yet. Cause I'm, there's plenty of guys who've transferred and who have committed elsewhere, but, uh, you had another guy who I saw who was a, a guard who transferred. Yeah, uh, Tyler Lundblade from SMU is still in the transfer portal who transferred in May. So, again, this is just a cursory look. You know, I, there could be, I don't know, a story behind these guys. I don't know if maybe they're ineligible or, or whatever, or, you know, why they haven't found a home yet. But those are just a couple of names I saw. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm not holding out hope that we get a huge, you know, update on Tennessee picking up a transfer or anything like that between now and you know, August sometime, but we'll see. But, you know, we do know, however, Jack, that Tennessee has made quite a few additions this offseason as it is. Again, they have one spot left, but even if they don't fill that spot, they have done a, to me, in my opinion, a pretty solid job of replacing the guys who departed last year and filling those holes that I think the roster had after those departures. And, And most of them were expected. I think Justin Powell was kind of a surprise, but not really, you know, a big blow. And Brendan Huntley Hatfield, I think, was kind of a surprise as well. But again, uh, based on potential, was a big blow. But based on actual production from last year, not really. Uh, it, 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 you can argue it. But I want to get your thoughts on kind of how Tennessee's roster construction has gone this offseason and just kind of running down the the additions here, looking at the, the roster online for Tennessee. So I'm going to go by jersey number on there. You had, of course, five-star freshman Julian Phillips. Indiana State grad transfer Tyreek Key that was coming in, or the only transfer so far that Tennessee has nabbed uh, that has come in as well. DJ Jefferson as a four-star prospect, a, a guard there, and also BJ Edwards, who is a four-star guard uh, coming in as well. And the most recent addition to Tennessee's roster, uh, Tobey Awaka, who we had talked about before. He committed to Tennessee and said he, he was technically a 22 recruit, then said he's committing in the 23 class. I think there's some stuff up in the air about his AAU team and during the summer and kind of finishing up with them or not. Uh, but it was announced, I think literally the day after G and I recorded our episode last week, uh, that he is actually signing in the 22 class and will be joining Tennessee for the second, I guess, summer semester uh, of classes as well. So, yeah. So I want to get your thoughts on that, Jack, because I, I look at you the big departures for Tennessee last year were Kennedy Chandler and John Fulkerson. But you return, this was a question somebody asked last week about, you know, how does Tennessee's returning production fare against other SEC schools? Tennessee returns a lot. They returned four of their top five uh, scorers from last year, obviously losing Kennedy Chandler as their number one guy, but everyone else they return. You have some interesting depth pieces, and I think you added a lot of good talent at a lot of spots. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, with that really kind of, I guess, diving too much into expectations for this team, you know, what are your thoughts on what Tennessee did with the roster construction, who they brought in, and how they addressed those needs that the roster had? No, yeah, I think they've done a great job this offseason. And, you know, losing Brandon Huntley-Hatfield, as you said, kind of a surprise. But, you know, they shored up that end with nabbing five-star Julian Phillips, who has, you know, even more upside than you could argue BHH had entering his year one. So, you know, he he could be a one-and-done. I talked about that earlier. Julian Phillips is a stud. He I think he's going to end up starting majority of the games this season. I expect a lot of things from him. And, um, and you know, he's just a great addition in post. You got Olivier Conwell returning from injury, too. I think that's one of the biggest stories of this upcoming Tennessee season is, you know, people kind of forget Olivier Kamal got lost in the wash because he, you know, got injured and was lost for the season last year. And then Jonas Adu had to step up, but you got Adu coming back. He's better. And you got Kamal coming back along with adding Phillips and Eros Plavšić coming off a career year. I don't think they're going to miss John Fulkerson too much. Of course, all the fan favorites, you know, he is a fan favorite. So all the fans are going to miss him. But as far as Tennessee on the court, I don't think there's anything to worry about there. And then we talked about the guard situation. So looking at the post, I think they've done a great job bringing in Julian Phillips. Tobey Awaka reclassifying is only going to help depth. Um, we could see a redshirt situation for him this year. I'm not, I'm, you know, it, it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I don't think you can have a lot of expectations for Awaka this year being so young and all. But with Phillips, Adu being better, I think he's, uh, he's probably going to be an X factor for Tennessee this season, in my, in my opinion. Um, whether that's as a key player off the bench or even as a starter, um, I think Eurosh opens the season as the starter at the five, come up playing the four, um, you know, sit the young guys to start and have the experienced guys play. But yeah, they're, they're going to have a lot of depth. And I think that's something they kind of struggled with last season, especially after Kama went down. So going down the stretch like that, if all those guys can stay healthy, they're going to, they're going to be mean on the front court. That's for sure. So I like the way they've attacked that. I'm high on DJ Jefferson, BJ Edwards, 
he's going to grow. And Tyreek Key, this is it for him. You know, it's his last year. He's got to improve his draft stock as much as he possibly can this year. So you know he's going to be fighting. Um, and then Santi and Joe just build off what they did last year because they were excellent. Yeah, you kind of addressed, I guess, kind of the two of the topics I was wanted to build off to build off to after this. And, w- and one of them was um, kind of the post play. What? How do you view the post? Because I, I think you made a that interesting point there that you think Uro starts at the five and Kamwa at the four. I I would tend to agree with that at the beginning, at the beginning of the season, especially. I think you, you'll see a starting five of uh, probably Sakai, Vescovy, James, Kamwa, and Urosh. But I think by the time, you know, as the season goes on, I, just like we saw last year, I think you'll see multiple, and some of the last year is because of injury, but even without injuries, you saw multiple starting fives last year. The only consistent, really, consistent ones really were Kennedy Chandler, Vescovy, James. Like, those are your, your three main guys, that, and Kamwa before he got hurt. Uh, but those three were really the three that played the bulk of the minutes and started every game they played except for James when he, when he was hurt. Um, but I, I think that front court is going to be interesting because I agree with you. I, th- I think Kamal is kind of a name that, that people aren't talking about enough, in my opinion. He he was starting to really kind of roll and find a groove in SEC play before he got hurt and was really kind of you know being a, a productive big man for Tennessee before his injury. I think he will bounce back okay from that injury. Uh, it you know, it's kind of always hard to tell, especially with big men with you know ankle injuries and, and leg injuries. But I think it'd be fine. He and, and Key both were recently cleared fully for all basketball activities, so that's good news for Tennessee. Um, but with Julian Phillips there, with Jonas Adu, you know, getting a, a you know playing experience under his belt last year and flashing a lot of defensive potential. Uh, even with you mentioned, you know, I, I don't expect a ton from Tobey Awaka, but he's a guy that maybe does, you know come in and, and surprise just like Ziegler did because they both played again same AU team same both from line. yeah same same AU team uh, both from New York so you can't ever discount their their work ethic I don't think um and then heck even throw in again throw in uh, a guy like Josiah who plays an undersized four and played that a lot last year and you had your small ball lineup where you had Urosh or, or someone out there at the five or Volkerson at the five and then James at the four and then you had Vescovy and Ziegler and Kenny Chandler I don't know that we'll see that this year because as much this year because you don't have to me probably two point guards you trust out there at the same time like you did last year but I still think James plays the four you know a, a decent amount this year and, and maybe he plays the four and Phillips plays the three because I think Phillips's skill set maybe fits more as a three so I, I just curious your thoughts on the front court because I think that I think the backcourt, we more or less kind of know what you're going to have. You're going to have Ziegler be the main point guard, Vescovy be your main two, Key be kind of a, a guy who plays a good amount of minutes off the bench, in my opinion, um, as, as also a two. And then James can play that three. He can play a one. He can, he can play one through four, basically. Um, I think we kind of know the backcourt. And then can maybe see what, um, May, you know, Jemai Meshack, if he takes another step. You mentioned DJ Jefferson as well. BJ Edwards would be the backup point guard. Kind of know the backcourt. That front court to me has a, a lot of, I mean, it's like question marks. There, there are question marks. There's not as many question marks as last year, but there's a lot of interesting scenarios, I think, for the front court this year. No, if you, yeah, if you go back to last year um, after Kemal got injured, it was kind of, you know, BHH and Arosh were starting and they wouldn't stay on the court too long. And then they'd be relieved by the combination of Jonas Adu and John Fulkerson. It always seems like Fulkerson and Adu were on the court at the same time and then Hat- mm-hmm. Huntley Hatfield and, um, Yoros were on the court at the same time. So I think we'll see a similar approach to that. You got Phillips, Kamwa, Adu, and Urosh. We'll see two of those guys on the court at the same time, and it'll just be a healthy rotation of that. And I think that's a very smart decision. Um, I think at the end of the season, once SEC play ramps up, Julian Phillips will end up starting. And I wouldn't even be surprised if maybe they play Kamwa at the five. Uh, and just play some small ball lineups. I don't know if it'll be super consistent with that starting lineup, but I, th- I think Urosh will end up starting at the five majority of the season. But, you know, you could see Phillips and Plavšić play together. And uh, and I, I don't know, Adu and um, <laughs> Kamal. Yeah, yeah I, I think you could see Kamal and Adu and then Phillips and Urosh. Those, that would be my best guess. Of course, we're all guessing here, uh, just <laughs> like we are with anything. And it, the... Tennessee has so much talent. You, you can see anything. You mentioned Tyreek Key. I think he can bring the ball up the, uh, up the court just fine and play the one. And, you know, keep Ziegler on the bench a couple of games to be a spark plug if you need it. So there's a lot of avenues you can go down with this Tennessee basketball roster. But like I said, I think a combination of two of those guys rotate them in and out is how we're going to see the post work with Tobey Awaka being that extra guy to use in any situation. So in as far as the potential of the post, it really lies on the shoulders of Julian Phillips, because I think you know what you're getting with Jonas Adu um, as, as a rim protector. I think you know what you're getting with Urosh now. 
if Julian Phillips can be that shooting big and, and he can make a lot of splashes on both sides of the ball. And, you know, let's not forget, Camel's an excellent shooter as well. So mm-hmm. those two guys on the offensive side of the ball with Urosh and Jonas's defense, you got to like what you see. Yeah, Camel last year um, from three, his, he played 22 games last year and had shot uh, 44.8% from three. Again, he, he hadn't shot a ton of threes in that. Yeah, he, he didn't actually shoot a ton of threes, uh, He but he attempted 20, almost basically 30 last year in the 29 games and again made 45 percent of them so i mean i expect that number to be maybe a little bit higher this year especially after you you lose chandler but also i mean you still have vescovy you still have james who obviously came on very strong from a three-point line at the end of the year and ziegler was a, a you know not a bad three-point shooter as, as well and i imagine J- julian phillips is gonna take plenty of threes as well he, he seems to be a guy who likes to shoot the three uh tyreek he's gonna shoot the three so <laughs> I, I think tennessee as much as they shot the the three-pointer last year i, I almost wondered Jack, before we kind of look ahead to some 23 prospects, I almost wonder if this team this year maybe takes more threes, maybe? I, I don't know, because I, I think I like the post situation a little bit better than last year. Not, but I also do think, too, that Phillips and Key will attack the basket more than we saw guys last year. I think that was... It, it, you know something that Tennessee really lacked last year that they you know had a lower free throw attempts per game than they had in a while because you didn't have a lot of guys who would attack and finish up the rim. I Tyree Key definitely does. He he averaged I think five or six free throw attempts per game in his career at Indiana State. And from what I've learned, you know, talking to his head coach for Julian Phillips and also just watching some of his game, he also likes to attack the basket and drive to the basket. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we won't see more three pointers. Maybe we'll see more guys actually diving to the rim or driving to the rim, but. I, it's worth mentioning because I think this team is possibly just as maybe potent from three as last year's was with looking at some of the you know the guys on the team that like to shoot threes and as, and as good as they've been in their careers too. No, I think we could definitely see them shoot more, especially since you're turning Vescovy, of course. And like you said, James got better from deep as the season went on last year. But, you know, like we said, the bigs with Camois Healthy and Julian Phillips here, definitely going to see the three ball being shot a lot more because the bigs that ended the season last year, Brandon Huntley Hatfield never really tapped into his full potential. Didn't seem confident on the court. We know Jonas Adu is not a shooter. Um, Arosh is definitely not a shooter and neither is John Fulkerson from deep. So I think the potential to make more three pointers is better suited for this roster. Um, and, and I think we could definitely see it as much as they shot last year. Like you said, it'll probably be more this year. Well, we can, we'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk about, you know, this upcoming season as the weeks and months go on, but it is the off season for basketball. So that means it is recruiting time. We're in the middle of, you know, I guess not middle of, we're the beginning now of uh, July and beginning of kind of the open life period. Again, AAU ball. That's why Gene's not here because his son is doing AAU ball right now, but Tennessee, their coaches, Rick Barnes and the assistants have been out and about uh, this week already. We saw pictures tweeted out of them watching JP Estrella of them watching Freddie Delone. Uh, there's there's several names I guess that we can throw out there, Jack. A guy like Aiden Holloway was brought up in the last episode we did. Uh, it was a mailbag one, and I said, you know, I wouldn't get your hopes up if I were a Vol fan at this point. It seems like he's trending um, towards Auburn. It's kind of your last big point, like right now at least, true point guard prospect. Tennessee's targeting in the 23 class as a as a point guard prospect or as a prospect, excuse me. But you still have Tennessee, I think, in really good spots for some other names like a, a Justin Edwards, who is a top five prospect. Uh, I don't think they'll end up getting too much lead, but you have an Andres Stojakovic, who is the son of Pedro Stojakovic, who I think was is still planning on taking a visit to Tennessee, possibly. Um, but you have other names that you can throw out there. Again, Tennessee already has a guy like Cade Phillips, who's a four-star uh, committed to them in this class. This is a power forward. He's not a big power forward in terms of like Bill, but he's a 6'9", 200 forward who has a lot of skills. We talked about him when he committed to Tennessee. Uh, I already mentioned J.P. Estrella as a guy that yeah, Tennessee is targeting, but Duke is kind of into the picture now, so that's kind of a <laughs> – we'll see. And then Freddie Delone, again, a combo guard who Tennessee is after, who uh, plays for – or plays over in Raleigh, North Carolina, who Tennessee, you know, loves going after his North Carolina prospects. Anyone else I kind of missed there, Jack, or anything that you maybe you – know, I, I think Aiden Holloway is committing this month. I don't know. Again, that'd get my hopes up too high for Tennessee. But uh, things – we I didn't think Julian Phillips was going to come to Tennessee when he, you know, reopened his recruitment and seemed like he was going to go elsewhere and – like Auburn, and then he came to Tennessee. So uh, I could be wrong. So maybe he, you know, maybe Aiden Holloway between now and his commitment uh, does end up changes, you know, kind of change the waters change. He goes to Tennessee, but I don't know about that. But the 23 class, I think, will be interesting because, again, we'll see, I think, a number of guys commit to Tennessee, but also there'll be a lot of transfer portal options. But if it's anything like the last couple of years, Tennessee, even after now the, the one-time transfer rule has been enacted, 
each offseason that's happened, they've only taken one transfer so far. Justin Powell last year for Tennessee didn't work out, obviously. Uh, then Tyreek Key this year. They, they've not gone like a, a transfer heavy like an Arkansas has in, in years past or an Alabama has in years past. Or this year, like a Florida has, uh, for example. Tennessee's only really taken one per year. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they only take one, maybe two next year or this next cycle. But Tennessee, just like the last few years, they're in on a lot of big names and highly recruited or highly uh, ranked prospects in this 23 cycle. No, you're definitely correct. And, you know, the majority of the names you mentioned were the ones I had on my list. So I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head on the others. There's there's a couple. Cody Williams from Arizona. Um, he's a wing. And, he, you know, Tennessee's interest is pretty high on him, but he he's still he's still kind of cool interest with the Vols. Um, Mikey Williams, Tennessee's interested in. But, yes, Stavakovic is a, is a big one for me. And, uh, and you know, you mentioned J.P. Estrella. I've always been impressed with J.P. Estrella. Um, I actually had a friend who knew him and I, he he had been talking to me about JP Estrella for a while now. Um, but like you said, looks like he's trending toward Duke, same as Aiden Holloway with Auburn. So I think Justin Edwards is the one to look to here when you're talking about 2023 prospects. He's a total stud, uh, but would be a great addition to the wing six, seven, one eighty, um, playing up in Philly right now. So seems he's interested in Tennessee and Rod Clark's been hitting that recruiting trail hard with Edwards. So, you know, we're still early in the process here. Um, like you said, it's about to ramp up probably for the 23 guys, but you know, all the guys you said are really the ones I was looking at. I think I know the answer to this question because we kind of already touched on, on, on basically like what we do at that last scholarship spot for this, this current cycle. But what do you, in your opinion, kind of what, what are the biggest needs Tennessee really needs to address? Whether it's again, recruiting or transfer portal in this 23 cycle, because again, we don't know, you know, there, there will be a, another transfer to off the roster between, you know, now and, and the end of, next i guess that after the end of next uh, season but you look at who again who we do know is leaving julian phillips as a as a likely one and done maybe if he isn't that'd be i guess good for tennessee maybe bad that he had a bad year but yeah uh he, he's probably one and done but you're more than likely losing uh vescovy and james I, I think for sure and then again tyree key so you're losing a lot from the backcourt i would imagine top you know top area of needs is getting more wings whether that's combo guard shooting guard small forwards you know whatever i, I think getting uh, wing players should be Tennessee's top priority, and we've and they've already filled you know one kind of other area that was getting Cade Phillips, who is a post player. He's not like a he's not a traditional post player, I don't think, but he, he he's still six now. Like that's a guy that you can count on, hopefully, to do something down in the lane or down in the paint for you. But I think for Tennessee, really, the, the wings need to be kind of your you know your biggest areas of pursuit. And I think it's why you're seeing a guy like uh, Justin. Justin Edwards, excuse me, be as big of a of a target. He's a six seven one eighty. Like yes, that's a perfect like wing player in college basketball and and the NBA for that matter too. But uh, there's a reason he's a top five prospect too. He's just such a talented player. But I think to me it's it's wing and then probably I don't know I don't know about point guard actually because you you would like to think that Ziegler and Edwards for next for the twenty three twenty four season would be enough like you'd like to think maybe a, a sophomore bj edwards and a junior zakai ziegler would be good enough for you at point guard so maybe not point guard I, unless you get an aiden holloway so I, I don't know i'm curious you're, you know if you have a differing opinion on that because i think it should just definitely be getting those six four to six seven type wing players as your your next kind of big area of, of need for tennessee yeah well you know in this era of basketball you can never have enough you know elite shooters in the backcourt um like an Aiden Holloway but like you said uh, I feel like the biggest need is wing position and I think Tennessee's recruiting the way they're approaching the 2023 recruiting trail is is indicative of that I mean they're they're targeting a bunch of wings and um and uh, with you know James leaving and Vescovy's not a wing but you know with him leaving as well just that two spot you can play big lineups as well so I think they're attacking that position. Cade Phillips is a good start to that. Like you said, he's more of a post player, but you know he could play the three as well. Um, so with James leaving, I think that opens the door for them to attack the wing position. And really, that's why you want Jemai Meshack to have a great year. I, I, I'm afraid that he's going to have another down year and he's not going to get a lot of playing time. And then we could see him bounce next season. You know, bef- before next season occurs, obviously. Um, and as he enters the transfer portal, but you know, we don't know that yet. He, he has a great relationship with multiple players on the Tennessee roster. You always see them around. Jemai's always in the group. So he has a strong connection with this program, but yeah, I think, I think the wing position is the one to go after like a Justin Edwards, like those guys we've mentioned. Um, Cade Phillips already a great start to this 2023 recruiting class. So 
I mean, there, there's going to be needs, uh, but I think with the backcourt or the point guard position, I should signal single out here with BJ Edwards and Zakai Zico, both are going to get so much better. They're going to develop that connection, and uh, and we could see them on the court at the same time, possibly uh, next season. Uh, I think maybe if as long as BJ Edwards does what we think he's going to do, and you know really gets his feet on, uh, under him in, in his freshman season, then maybe we could see a combination, a really good point guard combination next year. So wing position is the one to target. Jonas Adu is going to get better in the post. I think uh, I think elsewhere they'll be pretty okay. Yeah, no, I think you make a good point about uh, B.J. Edwards, and I, I think he has a lot of potential for success. I mean, again, maybe you know, maybe not as much as a true freshman because what Kennedy Chandler did as a true freshman isn't normal. Like that, you know, people always think about you know higher ed prospects coming in and being all Americans and stuff. But what Kennedy Chandler did, like Tennessee hasn't had very many freshmen do what he did last year even Keon Johnson and Jade Springer as, as good a freshman season as they had didn't have the type of freshman campaign that Kennedy Chandler did so you know what does Julian Phillips do this year because he's another guy that has the potential to be a really good player but again we Gene and I talked about it a little bit last episode I think and maybe the episode before last I forget which you know even if he just goes like eight and five eight and four this year like his potential alone is going to make him a, an early first round type of you know prospect so even if he doesn't have like the season on paper that maybe fans expect or are hoping for or whatever he's i think still likely one and done so anyway it, we want to go i want to go to the second half here for this episode and talk about lady vols because jack again you cover lady Vols basketball as well not just the men's side so kind of a, a similar thing here for the lady vols uh looking at their roster construction they are full like they don't have any scholarships left to give out so they are done with additions for this upcoming season and boy uh what a an offseason it's been uh, for roster reconstruction for the team they didn't really lose a ton lost Ray Burrell and then you had Emily Saunders uh transfer off the team as well so you, you had obviously to replace a, a pretty big contributor in Ray Burrell who I, I wish she'd been healthy all last year to you know go out stronger than what she did but she still I think by the time the season was closing out was starting to really kind of pick it up and be looking a little bit more like her older like you know her more vintage Ray but goodness gracious, uh, the transfer portal, ten, the Lady Vols won the transfer portal. If, you know, it's I always kind of hesitate to say, you know, winning the offseason, but Lady Vols, I mean, hopefully they won the offseason. Hopefully that means they win some big things in the regular season, too. But you bring in Rakia Jackson, who, again, the headliner of the transfer portal players. You bring in a Jazz Powell, who is a true point guard, who Tennessee hasn't had a true point guard in a few years. Uh, which is great news because I think you know she's going to be able to open up so much for them offensively. You bring in uh, as you know potential depth pieces and Jillian Hollingshed, who she'll be depth piece this year, but she could more than likely be the starter of the next season uh, after uh, you know Tamari Key is gone. And then you also bring in a Jasmine Franklin who played for Kelly Harper at Missouri State and is a you know was leading the nation in rebounding last year before she suffered a season-ending injury. Oh yeah, and also you have Justine Passat, who is a five-star all you know, McDonald's All-American who would be getting a lot more attention if not for the fact that this roster not only did you bring all, all those players in, but you also were still returning players like uh, Jordan Walker, who I think will move to the two, but you know will be a very good you know a very solid player again a uh you know some of the younger players like a Brooklyn Miles like a Kaya Wynn a Sarah Puckett who you know had moments last year especially Puckett did uh, as the season went along and, and Caroline Striplin who again started to show some flashes as the year went on as well a Tess Darby who you know was a very good three-point shooter and oh yeah you, you bring back you know the the two of your best players in the last you know five or six years in a Tamari Key who's already your career block leader for the Lady Vols in history, you know, passing the great Candace Parker. And uh, who's the other person? Oh, yeah, Jordan Horston, who just led your team before she got hurt in points, rebounds, and assists, and was not, I mean, I think second on the team, possibly in blocks as well. I think maybe leading the team in steals. I mean, she was a do-it-all player who, if she didn't get hurt, should have been a, you know, would have been an like not just an All-American honorable mention like she was, but she would have been an All-American. I mean, Jack, this this roster reconstruction, I guess if you can call it that, this offseason, it's been one of the biggest offseason hauls that Lady Balls have had in a very long time. And it usually, you know, back in the day, it was just would have just been all like bring in, you know, three McDonald's All Americans in a in an offseason through recruiting. This year you brought in you you have three former McDonald's All Americans. One of them is a recruit, the other ones are returning players and transfers. So <laughs> it's just like you're loaded, and this is the like, to me the most talent the Lady Vols have had on the roster, 
uh, in, in a very long time. And I think with the coaching and with, you know, um, the culture that Tennessee has now under Kelly Harper and her assistants, possibly the most healthy the program's been in a very long time, too. Yeah, definitely. They've to to say they've attacked the transfer portal would be an understatement. I'm sure, you know, Kelly Harper is just her mouth has got a water when she looks at her her uh, roster for the upcoming season. But yeah, they filled every hole if there was one. I mean, of course, Ray Burrell left, but they they filled that and then done more than that. You know, so if you told me that after you know the off season, looking at the Lady Vols roster, that there was no way that Sarah Puckett was pro- was going to start i just told you you were crazy but i I think that's the case because Mm -hmm. i just do not see a spot for her in the starting lineup which is wild to think after what she did in her freshman year not even a possibility of you know like you said justin passat coming in five-star freshman she has done so well in summer ball as well if y'all have been following her over there in argentina she's been killing it on every step of the way here in off-season ball and you know like you said all these transfers Rakia Jackson of course headlining that she's probably going to start at the four for the Lady Vols uh, as, uh, to start this season of course and then Jasmine Franklin all these other girls Jillian Hollingshed who you know let's not forget she had 15 points versus Dayton in the NCAA tournament for Georgia she can hold her own she's mm-hmm. going to get valuable minutes off the bench so they have so many players it's just crazy and, and the expectations I think you know like ESPN way too early top 25 they're in the top five I think you have to, you know, bet that if you're looking at this Lady Vols roster and what they've been able to do with Kelly Harper. And I'll tell you why I don't, I have no inside information of why these transfers chose. I mean, you know, you, you read and you know, you, you see the interviews, but you've got to injure the transfer's mind here. And you see what the Lady Vols did last season with those injuries. They go to the Sweet 16 without Jordan Horston. They do all this with without Key and Green at the end of the season. And that's just got to be so encouraging that they can rally around each other give Caroline Striplin and Kai Wynn really, really significant minutes in the SEC tournament and still do well. You know, give these young freshmen so many significant minutes and still hold their own. It's just, it's a testament to what Kelly Harper is building, you know, on Rocky Top. And, and I think these transfers took notice and, you know, they're heading to Knoxville for a good reason. So with the amount of depth they have, the Lady Vols have, uh, I think, injuries, Unless they the bug just hits them like a you know like a rock, I think they'll be fine to fade a couple injuries this season. Whereas I don't think they really were last season to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. But yeah, I, I've I've only been following the Lady Vols for one year. I, I should say covering the Lady Vols for one year. But yeah, this is a special team, Nathaniel, and and I think we should expect special things. I, I think you're right. I think you're right about injuries too that's been every time i've had maria cornelius on here uh we both i think every single time i've said fingers crossed and cross your toes and everything about health for this team because every year kelly harper's been here there's been some sort of you know major injury to the team or or at least or at least like major injuries to players and and in a lot of cases it's been your star players or really good players um in the last three years and hopefully that's just a it's been freak accidents or freak, you know, fluke accidents. Some, most of them have, but hopefully it's not a thing that just keeps happening. Cause like you said, that's the only thing to, in my opinion, that could really derail this year, because I, I do think that it's going to be, is I think last time I had Marie on, I think that I titled the episode, it's a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have to try to figure out the minute allocation for this team, because it's, they're so talented and they're going to compete really intensely and fiercely at practice, I think too is, and that's, you know, no one's going to be given a starting spot or given minutes. You're going to have to earn, all of them because of the talent on the roster, but it, it is a definitely still a problem to have and, and that, you know, who, you know, how many minutes do you give this person and how, you know, do you have to play somebody to maybe keep them a little happier than you would like? And I don't know that that'll happen or not, because I think the, my point getting at this is that I think the culture at Tennessee is set in stone now with, with Kelly Harper and the players that she has right now. And just everyone who's there, everyone who's there is a, I mean, they're all Kelly Harper's players because, you know, she's coached them. But I think with the exception of, you know, the older players like uh, Jordan Horston, they're all players that were, you know, recruited by Kelly Harper or retained by Kelly Harper, you know, when she got in as a, as the, as a recruit. So I think that this culture, I don't think is going to be one that is going to capsize or, you know, that's going to have a bunch of selfish players that, you know, I'm not getting my minutes, you know, I'm going to sit here and pat on the bench or whatever. I do think you'll see some transfers off the roster next season or after next season, but you're also going to see a lot of players going into the WMA draft because, uh, Rakia Jackson, uh, Jordan Horston and Tamari key, all three, I think are 
potential top 10 picks um, for next year because they're all just really talented players. And of course, Jazz Powell, I think will be, you know, I think she uses upper eligibility. She might have another year left. She, would be, she does have another year left. Yeah, she might use it. We'll see. Uh, but she, I think, would be eligible for the draft. So maybe she goes to the draft too. So, um, I and mean, then also, um, yeah, just Jordan Walker. She will be used up all her eligibility because she's using her last year. So you're, you're losing some key players after this upcoming season. So it, there's a lot of feeling of like, it's Final Four bust for this year because you don't know what's going to happen next year. We'll kind of get to, you know, maybe looking at some stuff for next year in terms of recruiting and kind of what that looks like. But I, I think you've already mentioned like the big expectations. I think it's, it's great to have those expectations. I think this team warrants those expectations, but I want to caution people who are having that. Maybe the feeling of, Oh, it's this year or I wouldn't say never, but it's this year or we're going to wait another, you know, three or four years because this is going to be the best team we're going to see for the next few years. It probably will be the best team we'll see for the next three or four years. But I think this, I I just don't want people to throw all of their hopes on this team. And then if for some reason they don't make the final four go, up, oh, I'm, I'm out. Like I'm out on Kelly Harper. I'm out. I don't think people will do that as much, but it's, I don't, you know, I don't think it's, it should be, you know, SEC title, which I don't think it's in the case. I see SEC title or bust or final four or bust. And then, you know, if that doesn't happen, then, oh, well, you know, the future all of a sudden is trending down for Tennessee because the, the tournament is a fluke. We, we see teams all the time who look like they're built to make deep runs on tournament, especially the last few years in the women's game get bounced early it happens all the time in Ben's game it's happened more and more as the years have gone on with the women's game as there's been more parity into the sport so I just think this team is built very very deep and very talented but again the, the NCAA tournament's a crapshoot for a reason it, it, you've seen more one seeds and stuff make it further and win titles in the women's game than you have the men's but again that's just because women's are just now building up the depth of the men's you know tournament and the men's basketball's had for more years because women's sports are now getting the attention and getting more um i guess money and getting more funding and stuff and getting more actual like care to it now too so my whole point all this jack is to say that i I don't think it should be a a final four or bust type season but I, i fully think this team will embrace those expectations and i think the culture is strong enough to withstand you know those expectations withstand any failure they may have in the regular season and bounce back. Cause I, I just don't think we're going to see stories come out about, Oh, this player was pouting and they kind of, you know, ruined the team chemistry or anything like that. I think this, this, these players and the, the culture that's with this program, I think is very strong. It might be, might possibly be the strongest culture. I guess, I think both the, the basketball teams have maybe two of the strongest cultures on UT and, you get the run baseball in there too. Cause I think what Tony Vitello has done since pretty strong, but we're talking about basketball here. I think, but I think both Kelly Harper and Rick Barnes have very firmly established cultures um, within their programs. Oh yeah. And you, you could definitely see it with Kelly Harper. I mean, Rick Barnes has his own very unique style way of coaching, but with Kelly Harper, just the way she rallies around her team. I mean, I can't remember what show it was on, but her halftime speech in the Arkansas game, mm-hmm. you know, that's just gonna. That's just gonna get anybody ready to go out there and compete for their coach. Even the way she was talking, you know, you just have to watch it to know. But yeah, it's that type of culture that's really worked and that's going to continue to work. I think for the Lady Falls, and this is the roster to do it. You know, we didn't even mention a couple of other players, but they're just so loaded. Marta Suarez coming back. Let's not mm-hmm. forget she was an All SEC freshman forward. Um, she unfortunately had to sit out all last season after getting injured in her freshman season. So she's entering a redshirt sophomore year. And then Brooklyn miles, she was a great spark plug off the bench. She's an elite defender. Um, you know, the backcourt is just loaded with talent. So, and then, like I said, Sarah Puckett can't even start. So there's so much talent on this team, Nathaniel. And, you know, you talk about final four bus. I don't think you should ever talk about that way with anybody, unless you're talking about South Carolina, women's basketball, Alabama football, you know, it's, it's only those types of teams and the lady Vols just aren't on that level right now. They're not the best of the best and have been for multiple years. No, this is the, should be the best they have been for a while, you know, definitely this decade, but final four bust that tag should never be placed on this team. Because like you said, anything could happen in the NCAA tournament. Think if, if there is a tag you should place, you don't want to see those, flops on the road like you mm-hmm. saw last year mm-hmm. against Auburn and I know injuries played a part in those but you know just getting really blown out by Florida and Alabama on the road losing to Auburn who was the worst team in the SEC at that time you can't let those blunders happen and then in the SEC tournament you ran into Kentucky who was just otherworldly hot you know with Ron Howard and that team they're shooting threes you know left and right so so maybe you can avoid that in the SEC tournament get to that championship game and play the likes of South Carolina have that true test because they only played 
South Carolina what once last year, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you can see them make it a little farther in those and potentially make the Elite Eight, if not the Final Four, uh, this year. So, yeah, it's unfair to place those tags, but there is reasonable expectations to have for this team that do exceed the ones from last year. Yeah, and you made a good point that I think maybe some longtime Layball fans would have snarled at or like kind of gone, hmm, because I almost did too when you said it, but I thought you make a good point too that, you know, it's not fair to put those expectations on the Layballs right now because you mentioned they're not like the South Carolinas or the Alabamas in football, for example, who have done it year in and year out. Layballs have historically been that, and historically, you know, that is a fair, the 90s and early 2000s and mid 2000s, that is a fair expectation to put on the program because of what they were doing. But like you said, the last decade for Lady Vols hasn't been awful, but it hasn't been where the Lady Vols had been. They've dropped off. Uh, they haven't made it to the Final Four in, what, 15 years or something like that? Like Since their last um, national title with, with you know, Pat and Candace at the, at the helm in 2008, I, I think. Uh, Double-check that. I'm pretty sure that's right, though. Because, I mean, last year was their first Sweet 16 in five years. So, yeah, th- th- this this program, I think you make a good point. It's, as a, his- as a historical program, you, you would think... Final Four bust. Yeah, it's fair because Tennessee has won all these titles. They've made all these Final Fours. You think, oh, okay, that's fine. But then you have to look, you can't look at it from a 10,000 feet perspective. You have to look at it as a more microcosm of the last 10, 15 years. And Lady Balls haven't been that consistent of a program to getting to those those highs of highs in the last 10, 15 years. So to all of a sudden expect this team to, you know, surefire make it that far isn't fair. It, it, again, I, I, I think this team will embrace those expectations. And I'm not going to say anyone who's thinks this this team will make the final force crazy i just think that like you said it's hard to have final four bust mentality unless you are consistently a south carolina or a yukon in the women's game in the men's game a duke or north carolina or kentucky that consistently does those things labels have historically done it but they haven't lately and that's been the issue so if they can get there this year that starts building back up to okay if they can do it this year can they get back to the lead eight my final four the next year can they do it again so if you can do it this year that hopefully will start the trend of, yes, we're getting back to where we should be type of program because they historically are the greatest program that wins basketball. I mean, you some will argue with UConn. I still think it's Lady Vols. But right but lately, yeah, the last 10 years, UConn has Tennessee beat hands down. Last 10 years, teams like South Carolina, LSU possibly even have Tennessee beat. Um, Lady Vols have not been what they used to be in the last 10, 15 years. They've still been good. They just haven't been elite you know top echelon of the sport so i think you made a good point that i i originally kind of you know the, my hair is kind of raised a little bit but i was like you know he makes a good point that i mean yeah thank you for bringing it back up and helping yeah. me out there <laughs> and not yeah yeah of course the lady balls historically been you know just great but like you said this will be the if they do make the final four of the season it will be the first time in 15 years they made the sweet 16 last year for the first time in six it's a build and everything's mm-hmm. a build let's not forget kelly harper hasn't been here for a long time and her first two years were marred with COVID. last year was her first like actually full year now it's her second and she's bringing in a roster that like you said it's one of the best lady balls roster we've seen in a very long time so the now is now is the time where you make your hay but i still think it's unfair to put that final four bus tag on them it's still a build and uh and i, I think it's a build that will continue to happen i don't see any drop-off happening anytime soon with the way kelly harper coaches the way they're recruiting with samantha williams and joy mccorver uh they're just they're they're elite recruiters and i think kelly harper is an elite coach well jack i don't want to take up too much more of your time uh, but i do want to you mentioned they're kind of building and trying to sustain this success and the whatever success you have this year it can't just be a one-off and in order to do that you're going to have to keep recruiting well and again probably attack the transfer portal again well next year but on the recruiting front lady vols you know are in on some really big names you and i are talking before we hit record here about you know there's a, a couple of players that maybe keep an eye on but there, there, there are several kind of 23 prospects that you know, Lady Ball fans, I'm sure probably already know about, but that, you know, I wanted to ask you about because, you know, whatever happens this year, you're going to definitely lose some big time contributors. And when Tamari Key and Jordan Horston and Rakia Jackson, probably too. Uh, and probably, again, some other ones who transfer off or go to the WNBA as well. Um, you're going to be losing a lot of production in, in order to not have a massive drop off. Kind of like we saw the men's team after Grant and Admiral and Jordan Bone and Alexander all left. There's a pretty pretty big drop off the next year because for one you weren't expecting bone to leave but um in order to prevent that from happening for the lady balls they gotta recruit strong in the 23 class and again there'll be transfer portal additions that'll happen too but, but what are some names in the 23 cycle that you know maybe that lady ball fans should keep an eye on or that, that you're kind of front of mind for you right now yeah definitely so there's two um 
that I'm looking to, and you know, both play in that are playing in Nashville right now. Um, and it's Aliyah Del Rosario and Angelica Velez. Um, it's Velez is a point guard, five uh, seven, and then um, Del Rosario's six five post player. So these two have shown interest in the Lady Vols. Um, they visited uh, with Tennessee. Um, it, visit went well from all the buzz I'm hearing about, but they're far from committed. But these are the two targets you're looking to. Um, and now they're both from uh, New Heights, New York. So, you know, they have the same sort of pipeline. And uh, I think Tennessee's making a lot of hay with them. But like I said, they're playing in Nashville right now. So close to Knoxville, that's how Tennessee can capitalize right now. So I, I think those two are the ones you're looking to. It's still very early. And, you know, Tennessee didn't per se bring in a lot of 2022 recruits from high school. It's really just mm-hmm. Justine Passat and Edie Darby. So, they're going to attack the transfer portal. And I think that's going to be the name of the game moving on in all of college athletics. But you know, as far as high schoolers we're looking to right now for the lady balls, 2023 class, those are two names that pop out. Yeah. I think Del Rosario is my number one um, want for the lady balls in this class. So there are other you know big time names that they're pursuing as well. But I think Del Rosario is, is just very talented against six, five that was <laughs> about having a, another big front court next year. You already have Tamari key and, and Jillian Hollingshed this year. Next year you could have, if you get Del Rosario, Hollingshed and Del Rosario, both six, five players. So uh, keep that, that trend of having big forwards and at centers in your uh, rotation would be great. Um, but again, Jack, I, I took up so much of your time tonight. I really appreciate you coming on here and doing uh, the show with me as a guest. I, I kind of already plugged your Twitter earlier and plugged where all you are. But if anyone who is listening to this, watch the show, wants to follow your work as, you know, for Tennessee basketball, and I know you talk about football and stuff too. So if anyone wants to follow anything you do, uh, let them know where they can follow you and kind of, you know, maybe plug some of the stuff you have coming out or that you've had come out recently too. Yeah. Jack Foster TV on all platforms, really easy, really catchy. I love it. Um, uh, this season I'll be covering UT football, uh, for volunteer country on sports illustrated along with my boss, Matt Ray. Um, and then of course, both basketballs, I'm excited to hit the ground running second year on the beat. Couldn't be more excited. And then, uh, for the remainder of the summer, if you're interested in a little national stuff, Got uh, always college football with Greg McElroy that I do a lot of work with Omaha Productions. Really appreciate you guys checking that out as well. Yeah, check it out. Omaha Productions again. Uh, you all know the name because of Peyton Manning. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and Jack's going to be very busy when we get to SEC Media Days. So uh, keep a lookout for that as well. And again, Jack, thank you so much. I know you're very busy. So I appreciate you taking time to do this. And we're, I know we're in the ball season for basketball, for, but we're only kind of in the off season for football because there's not really a a football off season anymore. I don't feel like so. I appreciate you taking time to do this. Uh, signing off for Jack. I Nathaniel. I want to appreciate and say or want to say thank you and appreciate all of you who watch along and listening wherever you're you know, at home, at work, at working out or on you know driving somewhere. We really appreciate you guys listening and watching. Again, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the podcast, and like this video and share it with any Vols or Lady Vols fans in your life. Signing off for Jack. I Nathaniel. This has been another episode of Vol Basketball Fever. Thank you for listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss a new episode. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for more video content. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Thank you, Vol fans.